All right, so we are recording. Welcome everybody. This is our fourth class of a mindfulness meditation course. My name is Carlos Gonzalez, and it is a great joy to be here with you tonight. Um, we've been together for a month now of working on this uh, practice, and um, today we're going to we're going to focus on. Uh, developing or sta uh, developing a stable practice, sort of thinking about as the course um, comes to an end in two weeks, how you will be able to maintain the practice. The idea of this class is to um, plant a seed if you've never been um, meditating, um, doing mindfulness meditation. And if you have, water that seed that's already been there and provide encouragement and um, for you to continue with your practice. So with, with that, I'd like to um, begin the practice today, again, with a little bit of a grounding. This grounding, we did a little bit of that last week, and um, I, I offer it or I share it because it is not mindfulness meditation per se, but it is uh, in tuned with it. And what we're doing when we do the breathing practice that we'll do in a moment is really um, working with the nervous system to sort of downregulate, meaning um, step it down from maybe from the day of, of a lot of uh, activity, a lot of mental um, sort of processing to a moment where we could be at ease or be at more, more at ease than we normally are during the day. This is also uh, uh, important to sort of keep uh, in our pockets of sort of tools that we can use because oftentimes we come into meditation and our mind is very agitated. And um, with an agitated mind, it becomes a really big challenge to sit and to, to just notice the breath and notice sensation. So we want to do everything we can during the day to sort of bring us down to that state of, um, instead of reactivity into that sense of response. That is a nervous system a function, right? So we're talking about physiological functions that we address through the breath and through movement. And so what we're doing uh, right now, what we'll do in a moment, and even at what I'm doing right now with my voice and with my face by looking straight at the camera and you see my face, I am doing what is called co-regulation by offering you a tonality of voice that is calm, that is gentle, and that is also grounded coming from my gut and that you're seeing my face and that I'm modulating my face for you. Uh, in a way that you could feel or you could sense a bit of friendliness. We do this for each other. So when we are working with the nervous system, we not only work with our own nervous system, but we work with each other. And that is uh, an important thing to remember and also to keep in mind as we, as we practice our meditation, that part of what we're doing as we are learning to work with ourselves, with our fears, with our agitations, with our anger, with our frustrations, with our joys. When we work with all of those things, we not only do it individually, but we it also spills over to, to our partners, to our friends, to those people that are in contact with us. 
And so the practice is never really uh, a practice that we do selfishly uh, for our benefit. With that, I invite you to take your seat, right? So uh, everybody's used to that notion of taking your seat and feeling the weight of your body going through to the bony structure of your of your glutes of your butt, right? And you can move it a little bit around, wiggle, 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 and um, and you could maybe lean forward and back so that you could feel like the balance that you need to find that sort of direct sort of contact and uh, distribution of weight on the uh, on the seat that you're in. With that, we open up the heart, the chest, opening it up so that we could uh, sort of breathe uh, easily. And we'll bring the hand to the chest, right hand to the, to the chest, to heart center, and left hand to the belly. From there, I invite you just to notice what your body's doing with your breath and how you're breathing. So become aware of how the quality of your breath, whether it's a short breath, a long breath, and don't change it, just notice it. Just notice what's happening with your breath. So we begin an inquiry process that is non-biased. We're not trying to do something. We're just noticing the breath. You could lower your gaze or even close your eyes for a little bit and sense the body. So we begin to quiet down as we notice the breath. And we also see if we could locate the heartbeat. Again, noticing the breath. As we hold ourselves, we take a moment to wish ourselves well. We take a moment to remind ourselves that for this hour we're here. We give ourselves permission to be here. We let go of anything that is burdening us right now because we know that after this hour, we could come right back to it. It's not like it's going to disappear. So cognitively, we make those sort of affirmations to remind ourselves that we're doing something that is for ourselves right now that's creating a space, a container. I invite you to put a little smile on your face. 
edges of your mouth going up and the eyes. And then we place our hands right on our laps, right? So that's a simple, very simple grounding, sort of working with the vagus nerve and reminding ourselves that this is a good moment. This is a safe place. We don't have to protect ourselves from anything right now in this hour that we're together. And uh, we could be at ease. From here, we're gonna go ahead and do a five minute sit. So notice that what I did there was just do a very simple slowing down, sort of transition from whatever you were doing prior to the class to now to our sitting meditation. And so the sitting meditation, as you've read uh, uh, or you'll read this week, you know, and, and we've talked about, it's very peculiar. It has like a set of rules, you could say, or principles, or, or you know, yeah, that you just follow. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in terms of the importance of those sort of steps in the, in the posture and why they're there. Um, so I'll just remind you that we take our seat. That's the first instruction. The second instruction is place your feet on the ground if they're not both feet on the ground. See if you could have your knees going below your, your hips. Have your knees wider than your hips slightly. And so you could hinge and you could move forward and back. Um, your hands are on your laps facing down. And there's a sense of um, sort of closure there with the hands down instead of the hands up. The shoulders are relaxed, but they're not coming forward. So they're kind of slightly back so that the chest leads a bit. Your back is long and your chin is lowered. We lower our gaze and we keep the focus of the eyes down to the floor about four to six feet in front of us. From there, we begin to notice the breath. And as we notice the breath, we may notice sensation in the nose, sort of the coolness of the air coming in, warmth of the breath going out. We notice maybe the coolness of the air going through our throat, the warmth of the breath going out uh, through the nose. Uh, we may notice the belly expanding on the inhale and contracting on the exhale. We don't do anything to the breath, meaning we don't change the modality of the breath. We don't make it longer. We don't make it shorter. We just breathe normally and we just notice, notice the breath, notice the breath lightly. And the, the, the emphasis this week is a light touch, a very light touch on the breath. And then within very short period of time, the attention will drift to our discursive thoughts, which usually are very loopy. They kind of repeat and uh, they're based on a lot of stories that we're telling ourselves of things that are, you know, taking up our attention prior to this class. And so when that happens and you notice that that's happening, you label that process thinking and you use that word and then you gently 
return back to a light touch to the breath. And again, the noticing of the breath is all the sensations that the breath creates in the body. So it could be any part of the body that you're noticing. That's what you're going to just lightly touch and keep touching until you forget and you drift back into your thoughts. We do that as many times as we will in five minutes. So I will set my egg timer uh, for five minutes so that nobody will stay meditating for an hour. Um, so we could trust the timer and the timekeeper. And I will ring my little time, which sounds terrible on Zoom, but it sounds better in person. So I will ring the bell. I'll ring it at the end. We take our seat and we begin the meditation practice five minutes.
So um, we continue our practice. As we said last week, the post-meditation being the point of the practice, there's the meditation itself, and then the post-meditation, which is what we're doing right now and what we do with our regular life. The point of the meditation is not to become good meditators. The point of the meditation is to be aware and to live our life in that awareness. That's the, the real point, right? The value of it. So I wanted to show a um, the emotion wheel. And I think I may have shown this emotion wheel <clears throat> before. Let me see if I could find it. Um, Can everybody see that? Yes. Yes, and it's the words are visible, right? Yes. Okay, so I invite you to um, look at the emotion wheel and pick a word that matches what you're feeling in terms of emotion right now. Take a moment to just pick a word. Where are you in the wheel? Sometimes we could pick like three words and that's always interesting because they don't always all match. <laughs> they're not in the same place. Sometimes they're like in very different places. So as you pick your word, um, there's something that we're doing. So when one of the things that we can do to, again, work with ourselves and that will create an environment that's conducive <coughs> to, um, to the meditation practice is to have a sense of, to develop a sense of mm, distance almost from our emotional ups and downs. Meaning if we go through the day and we check in with this emotion wheel, let's say, and use some of these words, we'll find that throughout the day we fluctuate and we really like move around. Our emotions are never static. They're very fluid. Um, and one of the things that, that we, that the meditation practice is sort of working with is allowing us to notice without passing judgment so that um, maybe you're feeling repelled or disappointed or awful. And that's what you're feeling right now. And you would say, oh, I'm feeling awful, awful uh, at this moment. And it, you, you would acknowledge that feeling instead of trying to put on another feeling that may be more appropriate for the gathering or for the people around you, or even for yourself. So that we look at whatever is happening and we go, well, that's what's happening right now. And we don't get scared of it and we don't judge it. We just acknowledge. Because in, in, in part, we're, we're realizing that we're the witness to the emotions, but we're not the emotion itself. 
So there's something about us that is happening through us, which is the emotion. But we're not the emotion. The emotion keeps flowing. So there's three knots, three netties that we, we say, not the feelings, not the thoughts, and not the body. So those three states are always in movement. They're always in flux. And in those three states, we're aware of those three states. We're aware of the body. We're aware of the thoughts. And we're aware of the emotions. And when we realize that we're not any of those things, then the big question becomes, well, what am I? Where is the I that is labeling and storytelling these three conditions or these three functions of the self, right? And that's a great inquiry, right? That begins an inquiry that loosens a lot of the knots that we may feel regarding our emotional states, re regarding our discursive or ruminating thoughts that we might have because of childhood trauma, because of past experiences, and we keep coming back to these loops, we start sort of befriending those by acknowledging that we're not any of those things. We experience them, but in fact, we're not that. We're not that. So doing these check-ins of sort of like seeing where we are and being, and being honest with ourselves in terms of what we're feeling really helps in terms of settling ourselves and developing that sense of non-bias. And um, that is really the gift of the meditation practice so that we may have a moment of like, uh, of, of pure anger and you realize I'm feeling anger. And even the way we use our phrasing, I'm feeling anger to I am angry, I am happy. And so we, 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 we identify with the emotion when we say I am angry, but we not, do not identify with the emotion directly when we say I am feeling anger. That's a fluid state, whereas the other one becomes an identity. Even our language, in a way, solidifies or makes things more fluid. And when we become aware of that use of language, we start kind of like unwinding a bit the tightness that we have, which often prevents us from doing the sitting. These become obstacles. We become so engrossed in our feelings that we become the feeling. And what we want to do is identify the feeling see it for what it is, and then take a step back. Take a step back in gentleness. Does somebody want to say something about this or comment or ask questions or take us in a different direction? Okay. I will, I will put that emotion wheel as one of the resources for next week so that you could have it. It's actually a very nifty tool that, uh, you know, it's limited, you know, in terms of the language, but it's like, oh, yeah, this is where I am right now. And then you pick three. And the moment that you, you, you name it. So when we name something, we actually start controlling that thing, right? So naming is powerful. Uh, and especially when we name with, without fear. 
and without imposing judgment on whatever it is that we're experiencing. So I wanna, I wanna turn uh, a bit of the corner here and ask, well, what were some of the wins that you've had this week? How about we're in week four? So what are some of the wins that you've had as you started this course regarding maybe either your, you know, your meditation practice or your state of being? Where are you right now? And what have you discovered as wins? And then we'll think, we'll talk about the challenges. What have been some obstacles so that we could talk about the obstacles as well. But first, the wins. What are some wins that you've noticed? So I'll start. Um, I had surgery yesterday and I had, um, they prepped me and I had like an hour lying there with, you know, the IV and waiting for the surgery. And I just started doing my breathing and I fell asleep. <laughs> and I consider that a win. I mean, the surgeon came in and woke me up to talk to me before the surgery. Yes. Huge win. Huge. Wonderful. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Good. Okay. What other wins that we can report? So that's definitely like a, 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 a down, down regulating the nervous system, sort of bringing it down so that you could be at ease instead of being on edge, right? Because when we are on edge, the entire, the body's being bathed by cortisol, which is a stress response, creating inflammation. So when we're able to do that, we're, we're, we're aligning with our healing which is really a wonderful thing that we can do. And that's a, a function of the mind that it can do those things and the breath. Other wins. Go for it. Ellie, I think it's Ellie or I'm not sure if it's Claudia. It's Claudia. Um, I addressed an issue that had been bothering me for a while today professionally and um, I feel that I'm on the way to resolving it and that felt good. So that was definitely a win. Nice. Big win too. Giant win. Yeah. Giant, giant win. Nice. Good. Who else can report a win? Um, I will share that I think that for me, a win has been that um, I suffer with anxiety and I am less afraid of it. Oh, that's huge. Yes. Huge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Big, big win. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Nice. Be friends. Have... Go for it. Um, so I had a roommate that was not um, a very healthy person I can put it that way and I struggled with it for a long time because I always felt guilty like I always I didn't know how to tell him that I, I couldn't live with him anymore because I, I always felt really really bad and I also realized that like I I feel like this many times like I, I feel guilty so I don't really like do things sometimes because I feel like I sh like I, I need to like always try to help everyone, even if that's affecting me. 
So I, I was finally able to like, you know, tell him that he needed to leave and he left today. And uh, yeah, it feels great. Like the whole energy changed in the house and I'm really happy. Another giant win. Whoa, these, these are like huge giant wins. Yeah. Wonderful. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Powerful, right? So we're working with honesty with ourselves so that we don't, we, you know, we don't have to carry somebody else's experiences. They can have their own and we don't have to take it away from them. And we have our own, right? So it's like whatever that person's going through, you go, you wish them well, but you don't have to hold whatever it is that that they're they're going through. And and that's a that's that's a powerful thing. We could be compassionate and and then not go under the the weight of being compassionate so that we can continue to remain present. Very nice. Um I'll wait one more. So it's like, is somebody else wants to share a win? Go for it, Lely. So, so I'm a little embarrassed to say that. Um, so I was with a friend yesterday, and this this friend, I in the past when I would meet up with them, we would sort of get into this like bit, of, you know, this gossiping about some of our colleagues who we can't stand and. And, um, and this time when I got, when I got with this friend, um, they started to complain about these colleagues, which I could have really readily jumped into and felt sort of a lot of camaraderie, you know, camaraderie around, but I, I didn't. And I just sat there and I just let them talk and I just empathized with them and didn't join in with the gossiping. And I really felt really good and really like at peace with myself afterwards, um, which was nice. Wow. Another giant win. That's like, that's really big as well. Um, and it's how, it's interesting how we, we don't, we don't have to, like we figure our path in terms of how we should act with others and how we should act with ourselves without anybody telling us what we should do, we sense it. And we sense when there's a sense of lightness and, and spaciousness and peace, and when there isn't. And we could navigate, that's a compass. We could trust that as a, as a very, very powerful compass to direct us in the steps that we should take uh, with, our, with the choices in our life. This, that's wonderful. Um, so let's talk obstacles, right? So the purpose of this course, again, was to introduce mindfulness meditation to, um, to, to get people started if they've never meditated this way before. And, um, and I would say that there are obstacles in the way, right? In terms of actually, we could talk about meditation, but talking about it is not the same thing as doing it. And so um, what do you think are the main obstacles that get in the way of you uh, continuing your practice or deepening your practice as it is? What's been, what's been an obstacle that you face that you go like, I know I'm going to be dealing with this when this class is over for sure. <clears throat> I have an obstacle. Um, I feel like everyone at work, for example, has this sense of urgency that I don't really 
feel or want to have because I feel like they're stressing for uh, things that are not um, like they don't really matter as much in my opinion. Um, I, I also work in like a different way. And I feel like whenever I get this like projected onto me, I start like losing my, like I start getting more anxious um, and I don't know how to deal with that sense of urgency. Like everything needs to be now. And if not, then I don't know, you have to deal with the consequences. Mm. Okay. So it's the environment around you is not conducive to that sense of just being in the moment or being at peace or, you know, taking your time. So environment being a powerful thing, uh, the conditions around us. So if we're in a workplace where that's the case, it, it is something that we have, you know, like if you can't leave your job, you know, um, then how do you work with that? You know, and part of it is that you could see that as an opportunity, right? So if that wouldn't be there, that muscle of you exercising your capacity to remain present would not get strengthened because you wouldn't have that resistance. So often we could see these, like any of these obstacles and we, we could label them as obstacles, or we could, we could begin to sort of rearrange the relationship we have with them to seeing them, oh, like this is an opportunity to deepen my practice. And the big, the big, the big thing would be, well, you already are able to label whatever it is that's happening at work. Just like Anna was able to label that, that tendency with those people that she had lunch with. Um, when, when you're able to see it, then you're able to work with it. When you can't see it, you're immersed in it and you have no sense. Same thing with the emotions. When we identify with the emotions, we become the emotion and we no longer have any, any control over them. But when we're able to lab, like name the emotion, oh, that's what I'm feeling right now, then you, you've already taken a step back and you're saying, well, yeah, and I'm not that feeling. And I'm and I'm not I'm I don't need to uh, dive into that sense of like the sky is falling all the time, you know, or any time for that matter. You know, I could take my time with with just with everything. But um, so yeah, okay. So environment. What other obstacles are you all like identifying? Carlos, I think for me, my obstacle is um, when I feel good. Yeah. When I feel, say I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to do it. Yeah, yeah. And those are the hardest. So it's really hard to main to maintain your practice when things are going really well. Um, usually, people come into like yoga or meditation, and they're like, "Oh my God, the sky's falling," you know. Um, and then when things turn out really well and everybody's happy, it's like, oh, you know, and it's actually, it is in those times of happiness, of ease, that is in our best interest to practice because we could do it easily. We're not burdened by worries and stress. We're in a good place. So we practice. And this is, this is what I want to get to today in terms of the importance of the routine of the practice that one of the things that will sustain us as we move forward is to really get into a habit 
Um, just like the habit that we have of brushing our teeth, um, that we do that like automatically, like we wouldn't go a day without brushing our teeth before going to bed. The same thing with flossing, right? My sister's a dentist, so <laughs> I'm thinking of all the examples that she would, yes, that's true. Um, and, you know, those are not things that are natural to us, but we're taught. And over time, they become second nature. And just like those habits, I think we could develop a habit of taking time every day to sit and to notice the breath and to notice the thoughts and to come back to the breath. That's simple. It's flossing, right? If we look at it as flossing and nothing else, this is, this is no big deal. I'm just going to sit and floss because why do I sit and floss? Well, it's good for me, right? We know all the benefits of flossing your teeth. And so you do it. Um, at that moment that you're flossing, you may not feel any benefits, but you have, you have already that cognition that you understood that this is beneficial for you. So now it becomes like, oh, okay, I'm going to floss before I go to bed. Um, so if we could turn this practice into something so simple as that, and then just do it, that's huge. That is huge. Now, the question is, how do we turn this into a habit, right? How do we turn this into a habit and not a special project? Because if it stays in the special project mode, which is the course, then it'll stop. So special project mode, you, you're excited. You're like, oh, yeah, like, and I'm learning these things and I'm doing this thing with other people. And there's that motivation. But that motivation will die out after the special project is over. And unless it's become something like a very regular boring habit that you just do, it will not be sustained. It just, you know, and how does that switch happen? I would say that in like using the metaphor of the flossing of the teeth and, and brushing teeth, um, part of it is like understanding why we wanna do something like this. It's like, why? What are some of the benefits? of this and you've been you've been seeing some little videos like this last week i sent a little video of of sort of the neuroscience behind the meditation this week you get another one another scientist she's a harvard researcher um and and you could actually find more of her videos the same way as the previous one if you were interested this one's just five minutes, but it tells you, it shows you sort of like the brain imaging that happened, you know, that's that's there to point to the effects of meditation on the brain. So there's effects. So that's part of the, the, the cognition that we have, like, well, this is beneficial. Then we go like the question becomes, well, what why do I like what do I want from this? So we have the understanding of the benefits, like scientifically and all that, but really, what is it that I want from this? Some of you pointed out, I want to be, I want to feel more at ease so that I could work with my anxiety more. Uh, I want to be able to work with my work conditions uh, with more skill. Um, we all want to have uh, a happy life. <laughs> Ultimately, it boils down to like the conditions of living a happy life. But if we could, if we could name it, right, we, this is, this is, why I want this, why I want this. This is going to be helpful in the way I relate to myself. 
This is going to be helpful in the way I relate to others. It's going to have an impact on all of that. Okay, I have a reason, a motivation, an, an understanding of the benefits. Um, and then we deepen that, right? So because we forget, and every once in a while, I'll find an article that talks about flossing teeth and heart health. I'm like, oh my God. And I always send it to my sister when I find something like that. Flossing your teeth and overall inflammation in the body. Oh my God, this is huge. So it's such a simple act. And it has such a systemic effect on the entire health of the body. Wow, right? So I'm not a dentist, but I keep bumping into these things because my sister has taught me that, right? And I'm curious about it now. The same thing with the meditation practice. You start looking, you start feeding your cognition so that you could keep that sort of in the forefront of your aspiration, your aspiration. And then you ask yourself, well, why am I doing this? Is it just for me? And, you know, I would say, that if it's only limited to us, to ourselves, it's going to go so far, right? We know that, um, I mean, I, we don't know. I, this is what I believe. I believe that there's no meaning in anything except for the meaning that we give it. It's kind of like a, a bit of an existentialist approach, right? So it becomes meaningful if we give that a context and meaning. And to live a meaningless life is to be sort of like floating in space. It's very difficult. And in fact, psychologically, it's not healthy. We know from the work of people like Viktor Frankl, the people who survived in the concentration camp were not the strongest, the biggest. They were the people who had a purpose, the people who had a purpose. So if our purpose is solely for ourselves, only so far. If we take that purpose and we go, I am doing this for myself, but I am also extending this to others because we live in a society that's pretty fucked up. You know, there is so much stuff going on. Well, can I, can I contribute to sort of alleviating some of that suffering? Now we have a purpose that has no end. You know, like we'll take our last breath and we will not be done. And that's magnificent. We could, we could connect to that. And then we offer, we offer our practice to the benefit of all beings. That's the dedication at the end, where we hook the practice with the purpose. Without the purpose, there's no engine that will take us further than the next two weeks when we finish. We got to turn the practice into something as basic as flossing the teeth, and then we got to magnify the practice to the point that we realize that this is a gift to the world. A little gift that we offer, meaning we're not going to save the world. That's not what we're doing. We're just offering a, a bit of a relief from the suffering of the world by practicing on ourselves. If we can find a bit of relief from our own suffering, we, we just say, well, this is what I have found. I was more at peace when I spoke with my, with my colleague at work today. That's relief. I was able to go to sleep on the operating table before surgery. That's huge relief. I'm able to 
um, work with my anxiety a little bit more and feel more at ease. Huge. And we don't hold that to ourselves. We give it as a gift. And now we have a lifelong purpose and a lifelong practice, which is very basic. We're not converting anybody. We're not, you know, like, it doesn't mean knocking on people's doors. It just means sitting on your damn cushion and practicing 20 minutes a day. And that's it. And letting everything else fall by that, you know, like, whatever is going to happen, you're going to, that's all you need to do. And just go on living your life. <laughs> Anybody want to want to comment? Uh, and maybe what we could do is we could turn and maybe turn another corner like, hey, uh, you could comment on whatever I said and also on like what you've been reading and watching and journaling about. Carlos? Yes, ma'am. I, I like the, um, yeah. I, I like the uh, TED Talk, the girl from uh, U of M. Yeah. And I keep seeing on that screen in my mind, the arrow pointing forward, the arrow pointing backwards and the mirror that the circle in the present. And I, I use that in meditation. I could say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the forward. I'm on the backwards. I want to get in the middle. So I found that I thought, I thought that was an excellent um, TED talk. Yeah. 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 So, and, and it's um, anything we have somebody like I mean there's a lot of research going on in UM on mindfulness mm -hmm. there's a whole center yeah. around that it's like one of the head researchers there and I, I what was what was the third not I mean I am not my feelings I am not I am more than my feelings I am more than my thoughts and then you said have, there was a third not I am not my body I am not my body you mean the way your body is reacting, sensing? So we ask ourselves, where is so the? We ask ourselves, where is the? So where where is the so I? Look? Where, is, where is the I? Look? And you go like, oh, it's in my brain. Like, oh, it's in my brain. You can't find it. You, you can't, can't find, find the self or the I anywhere. But where is it? And we don't have to find a definitive answer, but we ask the question and the body becomes less solid. It's, it's, the body is in flux. There were cells, sperm and an egg coming together. And from there, you, you, you evolve and you emerge and you come out as a little baby. And here we are as we are right now. And eventually the body will come to the end and it'll dissolve into the elements. Where did the self go in all of that? The self or the no self is, 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 is basically not the body. We could, and, and we don't have to answer that, but except that that question sparks a powerful reflection on identity. And we realize that we're not the stories we tell about ourselves. We're not the roles that we play. We're not the achievements that we have. 
We're none of those things. Those things are like in flux. And then we're, we're something, as you're saying, more than, more than. We're actually, I mean, if we want to take it many steps, we go like, oh my God, I'm everything. I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. And where, where did, where does the, where does the self go when the body goes into the elements? It goes to wherever it's been already, which is always here. <laughs> it's never somewhere else, you know? Um, and, we, and that, that's another, that's a, like another like discussion that we could go into, but maybe we could we could leave it there but it's an invitation to like deepening the exploration yeah what else anybody uh, had other experiences with the readings or the video camila um, yeah i've i've been thinking a lot about um that sentence that says that um trauma is a chronic disruption of connection um and how it said that like it's not only the trauma that we i guess like happens to us when we're born but also the disruption that we feel every day when we feel so disconnected from you know like our source and it goes back to what you were saying that like I guess that like this like world that we live in is all about being disconnected from from our breath and from you know like this thing that we feel inside that's like home in a in a way and uh, and like how we live our lives is all about being disconnected from that and just like trying to like grasp onto all this like illusion and all these like things that now more than ever like the, the they have duplicated in like an exponential way and like we don't even know what we have to do anymore. It's just like, ah, so we feel more disconnected than ever. Right. And so like, that means that our, our trauma is, is bigger than ever. So that's why, like, to me, like, even when I met you, I met you like what, like 10, 12 years ago. And I felt that, but now that feeling is like, so much crazier right and like that's why like I knew that like I had to come back to you in a way because because you're the one that like reminds me like hey like no like like come back to yourself right because yeah I feel like that disruption gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes by like with the metaverse and like everything that's happening like we're, we're losing ourselves pretty much so yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. It's a fast moving river that we're in, right? And the elders say, we'll read this poem maybe next week, the Hopi elders. The Hopi elders say, um, many will be scared to go into that river. And the elders say, swim into the middle. Swim into the middle, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Swim into the middle. We could never lose our way um, because it's within us. It's not in danger. And part of part of what we often forget is that that whatever is real really needs no defense because it's never actually in danger of anything. It's the illusion that often has to be defended and has to be 
um, infused with a lot of energy to be maintained. And when we understand that, then we don't have to fight so hard because actually we say, actually I could step back and, um, and let it just drop out. It, it gets fed by our fear. And so part of, part of the work that we do again is as we work with our fear, we actually drop it from feeding that illusion that fuels so much of what we've been describing with work and the culture around us. And so when we, when we step back into that sense of ease and that sense of spaciousness within ourselves, within our hearts, within our bodies, then um, that world of illusion like really loses uh, its grip. And the way that we transform that world of illusion is not by more illusion, it's by love, which is the only real thing that we have, which is connectedness, right? So as we connect, even in this little space that we're in, this is the antidote. And notice that we're using tools that are like technologically involved, right? But we're still connecting and we're using old, old technology of love and kindness and, 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 uh, and presence that transmits even through, uh, you know, the 010101 of the code. It's pretty awesome. Hey, we're almost out of time. And I want to show you this week what we have. Let me, let me get that. And um, let me let me show you that. Let me let me find it. <laughs> okay, I have it somewhere. Here we go. I had it somewhere. Um, There we go. All right, I have it now. Okay, so this is week four, um, developing a stable practice. We've kind of like meandered a bit on this topic today, but if we could, if we could remember the flossing metaphor, right? That we want to turn this practice as simply as we do our flossing our teeth and brushing our teeth, nothing else. It's really basic. And we do that every day. We would do meditation every day, just like that. And then we fuel it with that aspiration of offering, offering it with a purpose, right? So we work with ourselves as an offering, as with a purpose to the benefit of all, right? Um, the instructions are the same. Practice your mindfulness at least five times, 20 minutes a day. Jot down when you practice. This is going to keep you kind of like, uh, again, flossing your teeth, um, read the notes in the attached PDF, respond to those notes if you feel like it in your notebook, keep reading when things fall apart, um, keep journaling your blue zones, and we want to feed joy in our lives. We, that's the antidote. It's a bit of joy. So we're working with the emotions. Um, and then join join for the, uh, the Friday... Um, the Friday Zoom sit, um, many of you are, are coming to that. This is like a five minute little YouTube on Sarah Lazar, who is also a researcher, brain researcher. Her presentation is really cool. 
And you could also research, like look her up and find other talks that she's given. She's given tons of talks. This is week four from La Colita de Meditación, Developing a Stable Practice. There's a bit of some um, sort of my letter to you. And then it basic, the highlights from chapter four. This chapter is really simple in the sense of you go like, uh, we already know this, but that simplicity actually is profound. And so uh, read chapter four if you haven't already done so. And then you could read my conversation with the text, right? So this is my conversation with the text, which I offer to you so that you could have your own conversation and maybe have a conversation with me as well. Um, and so that's it. Super simple this week. There is the little video that's here and then the notes. And then we're doing the same thing uh, for this coming week. We're meditating and we're flossing our teeth. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so can maybe, um, how do we want to end? So do we want to have like maybe a final, a final like, um, sort of comment, a couple of comments from folks, maybe those of you who haven't spoken today, or if you have spoken, you could speak again. So, yeah. I see Marable. I have a quick question, if that's okay. Of course. Um, about the blue note, blue notes. Um, I'm really struggling with them because I feel like I'm, I'm, I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, like what, like what's a win? You know what I mean? Like, is it just, if it, like, I start to think, is it just some, like, I, is it something else I'm like grateful for? So I end up like writing like eight things I'm grateful for, which is wonderful. But at the same time, it's like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I just have like a block. I don't know what the win is. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would say a win is anything that you do that involves your willpower, that involves like your action. That's always a win. Um, and gratitude is often things that happen along the way that you didn't expect. They go like, oh gosh, that was really good. Um, but a win is for me, it's like, you know, like today I, I, I taught like three amazing classes. And I finish and I go, holy shit, I was fucking good. <laughs> you know, and I just felt really good about that. And that was like a huge win. Like I remained present for like four hours in front of a screen and I did not like go anywhere else. I was like, oh shit, like that's like, that's incredible. Okay, I'm writing that down in my wins. <laughs> I did that. I take responsibility for that. And that's what a win is. Oftentimes we play small. We we don't we don't celebrate like our action. We we kind of like we say, oh no, like I didn't really do that. Like, oh no, somebody else did that. Or like, oh no, that wasn't such a big deal. And you know what? You did something good. Celebrate it. Thank you. That helps a lot. Okay. I'm I'm sure you have tons so. of wins, tons of wins with those kids. So, get too excited about that because like I live in my head and not in my body so doing isn't really like my forte <laughs> uh, next week you let us know yeah great question can I say something yes yes 
So for me, Vanessa, like a win for today would be like, for me, a win is like a, like a yes for whatever reason. So to me would be, today would be receiving a text from my sister-in-law, Maggie, which is there in the audience. Um, just her reassurance and her love. Another one was my son called me. And um, another one is this uh, client slash friends. Every, all my clients become my friends. And she shared some things with me today. And she actually says that I was her soul sister. So for me, those were my three wins for today. Mm. Okay. Here you go. Mm. Good. Well, let's finish with our dedication, right? So now the dedication has like a meaning to it, right? So part of this dedication is that we hook the practice with purpose. And the reason is that, well, this is going to fuel your practice forever um, because this goes on and on and on and on till the end of no time, right? So we bring our hands to heart center, if you like. This is how I do it. And it goes like this. It's really four wishes, four wishes. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free of suffering. May all beings experience joy in the happiness of others. May all beings remain in equanimity, be free of attachment, aversion, and ignorance. See you next week. Oh, see you Friday. See you Friday, Carlos. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, my brother. Ah, you're welcome, my sister. That was awesome. Uh,